We're still building a vocabulary. I think that I'll finish up the New Testament vocabulary next week. Uh, I covered about half of them this week, and I'll cover the second half next week, and then we'll be on to the theology, and we'll shift gears a little bit. So don't get lost in, in the grunt work, so to speak, that we did last time, and we'll do this time, and we'll do one more time. We've got, there's a whole lot of New Testament words that talk about sin. And so again, we're just building our vocabulary. Now, I told you when we were going through, or when we began Old Testament terminology in regard to sin, the word hata was the most primary significant theological term in the Old Testament. And when it was originally used, it didn't have any kind of moral context. It just simply meant you missed the mark. Whatever you were shooting at, you simply missed it. And then it began to take on moral context. But really, okay, so let me give you a little bit of a history lesson here. So we have the Septuagint that was written 200 years before Jesus. The Septuagint's when they took the Hebrew and they converted it into Greek because Greek was the lingua franca of the world, which meant most of the known world spoke Greek and were under Greek influences, okay? So they sat down about 200 years before Jesus, wrote out the entire Old Testament in Greek. Now, when they did that, there was this word in Greek, hamartia, that had never been used in a moral context. It simply meant you shot at something and you missed it, okay? So when they began to write in the Old Testament, they translated some of those Hebrew words into Greek words and used hamartia for the first time that they know of in the Greek language with any kind of moral context. And God was preparing New Testament writers who would pick up a pen 200 years later and they would see that they used this word 200 years before Christ as missing the moral mark of God. And so when they start using this word writing the New Testament, of course, I realize they were writing the words of Jesus in Greek, and sometimes he did speak in the Greek language. The Lord Jesus used hamartia a number of times himself in a moral context. So when you look at every single usage in the New Testament, you got 230 times this word is used, and every single one of them is a moral theological context. They left behind, you shot and you missed your mark. Now it solely meant you missed the moral mark of God. You had fallen short of the glory of God 230 times. So that gives you some idea how language develops and the Lord prepared them to use this particular word to help us comprehend what sin really is. You just, you just totally missed. Now when you get looking at the New Testament, 27 books, it's used in 22 books. So I mean, this is the most comprehensive theological term that you're going to find regarding sin. Romans, you got 60 times Paul's going to use this, which, you know, I didn't think about. I have zero forethought. That's why I have to run on sovereignty all the time. But I didn't think about doing this book in relationship to Romans, but it is really preparing a heart for Romans because you're in Romans 5. Romans 5 is the most comprehensive instructional place in the Bible in respect to sin. And so we'll look at a lot of the terms that we'll look at in Romans 5. If you study Romans 5, you're going to come away with a very thorough understanding of sin. Okay? But anyway, Paul uses this word 60 times, but notice 1 John uses it 27 times. And what's significant about that is a percentage-wise, 
because you got 434 verses in Romans and Paul used it in 60 of those verses. But 1 John's only got 106 verses and John will use it 27 times. So from a percent basis, the book of 1 John, if you study that book, you'll learn a great deal about sin. Okay? So those are your two books that if you want to really study sin and understand homartiology, those are the two books that you'll sit and, and hammer out. And you'll come to the same conclusion that hopefully will come through the end of this study about homartiology. So anyway, homartia is the most comprehensive expression. Every single occurrence puts us in a position to where we're opposed to God. We're standing in opposition to what God has said. Okay. Uh, it's always used in the New Testament of man's sin, which is ultimately directed against God. A couple of you guys may have this. Uh, Nathan, you may have this. Sarah, you might have vines, words, expositional, theological words. So he does a lot of work, and it, it is kind of difficult at times, but he says the word is used in four different categories. Sometimes sin, hamartia, is used as an inward element in us producing sin. Sometimes it's a power out in the world that's producing sin. Obviously, both of those are true. Sometimes it's just a generic reference to sin. Sometimes it's a particular deed itself. But obviously, one and two will help us develop our, our theology of sin because it's a power that is at work in you actively all the time. And it's a power that's at work in the world all the time. Okay? Let me give you an instance. For instance, of course, Ephesians 2 talks about the powers that are at work. So we got notification from the federal government today as pharmacists. If we refuse to fill a prescription to terminate a baby's life, we have broken a federal law and we'll be held accountable for that. Biden sent that to every pharmacy in the United States today. That's the powerful influence of sin in this world. And we pin that on a particular person, but you have to understand Satan has always been at work killing babies. You go back to Egypt when they were trying to rescue the Egyptians out. That's what Pharaoh was doing. He was putting to death all the baby boys and God saves Moses out of the midst of all that. When the Lord Jesus was born, they were putting to death all the boys two years and under. They were putting them to death. Satan has always had this powerful influence of taking the lives of babies. And here we are again, and it's a powerful influence over our world. It's not the idiot present. He is an idiot, but he's led by Satan's power, and it affects every area in life, you know? And so now we're going to have to deal with that particular issue. But I know it's not a political issue. It's a satanic issue. It's a godlessness. It's, it's horrible when you begin to sit down and think about that. But this is the influence of sin. And this is the constant press toward horrible things, just horrible things. But this is Martia. Now, as I told you, Romans 5, and you just look down at your text and you'll see every single time it's translated sin or sinned. And so I'm going to read through it, but we'll end with Romans 5 because I want to show you all the different words that we'll use. But let's start in verse 12 and just listen to this theological exposition of, of sin. Paul says in verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin, hamartia, entered into the world, and then death through hamartia, sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. 
For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Yet, or nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. Everyone died. Even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come in reference to Jesus. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, Adam, the many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many? The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, Adam. For on the one hand, judgment arose from that one transgression of Adam resulting in condemnation for all men. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, Jesus, there resulted justification to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made, here's your root word again, hamartia, sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where hamartia increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as hamartia reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can easily see, and I know there's a lot there that we'll be talking about for days, but you can easily see what Romans 5 is all about. Paul is trying to teach us that what Adam did condemned us all and guaranteed that we would be born sinners. We are born missing the mark of God. It's not though as when we were young we could strike the mark and then one day we fell off the mark. No, we are born missing the mark and falling short of the glory of God because of what Adam did. Okay, That's why we are like we are. So that's the most whatever, comprehensive, I guess, word that you're going to find in the New Testament. Now let me go back and see if this thing will get you. All right. I don't use... Any questions about Hamartia? I mean, you got 230 references. I wasn't going to give you a whole bunch of scriptures. It's all over the Bible. Okay? And it simply means you can't. You can't hit it. You simply can't hit it. It's an impossible task. Okay? All right, second word that we talked about was taha, which meant wondering. And I told you that this word, again, originally didn't have any moral context to it. The sheep got out of the pen and he went wandering across the pasture. Okay, But it began to have moral context because it meant that we wandered away from God. Now, again, when they wrote the Septuagint and they translated Isaiah 53 from Hebrew to Greek, they use this word planao, it looks like plano, but it's planao, which meant to go astray morally. In other words, we constantly, we're like, I mean, in the Bible, we're compared to dumb sheep. It's really hard to feel good about that. Uh, Chris has had some, he knows. <laughs> they constantly, you can't turn your back. If you leave the gate open, they're wandering about. Kind of like that pig, too, that was over at Chris's house that time, standing on the front porch. If you leave the gate open, a wandering they will go. They have zero sense in staying home, 
okay? So when they translated Septuagint Greek into Hebrew, they used this word planao to help us understand moral context. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're off and running with his words. Now, here the Lord goes with his usage of it. Let me use red. What do you think if any man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does not he leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that is planao again? If it turns out that he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over more than over the ninety-nine who have not gone astray. So it is not the will of the Father. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that any one of these little ones should perish. So in other words, of course, I know you don't know what Jesus was speaking in, but anyway, when Matthew wrote his gospel, planao is the word that he liked to use to help us understand our sin. Just like sheep, we're constantly wandering away from what we know to be the truth of God. This is constant pull. I mean, we can find it in any and every area of our lives that we're just off-center, out of pasture, out of bounds. We've just wandered away. And a lot of times we're too dumb to realize that we've wandered out of the pasture until somebody points out the sin in our life. I don't know if that ever happens to y'all, but I was listening to McDougal today talk about, he was, he's preaching through Psalms 119, and there's probably, I don't know, 40 sermons already. He mentioned one word, and it, I just hit pause and sat there and contemplated, but I, I just had forgotten what the truth of God was there, and I could see how I'd wandered way out in left field in some of my thinking recently, you know, and I just had to have somebody to tell me. You kidding? Yeah, all the time. I have to be told because we're like sheep and we just find ourselves standing out in left field, right? So that's the picture. And the Lord says we've gone astray. Um, a lot of New Testament writers use this analogy. First Peter 2, for you were continually, he adds to the thought, planao, like sheep, thanks Peter, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. Of course, that's in in reference to salvation, right? Second Peter 2, forsaking, okay, so here's another one. This is the word hodo, which simply means a particular way. So here's the particular way. Forsaking the right particular way, they have planao, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of, and we talked about that word Sunday, right? So, of course, this is in reference to false teachers that they have done this, but we will find out that they have led congregations astray. Here's one, Joel Osteen, rather simple, simple one. If you ever listened, he always talks about that at your heart, you're good. There's good in you, and God just needs to kind of bump you up just a little bit, and he does that through Jesus. But at your core, you're not evil, you're not wicked, you're not sinful, you're, you're a good person. And he constantly says that. It's just absolutely wonderful to listen to because you just feel so good about yourself after a while. 
But that's not communicated anywhere in Scripture. Gone astray is like the nicest New Testament word that we can find in regard to our sin. But even gone astray, you're still held morally responsible for having wandered out and let a left field. It's not like the Lord's going to say, well, I know you listened to McDougal today. I know you're convicted by that. But listen, you're a good person. You didn't mean to wander out there into left field and get your thinking all messed up in this area. That's not how God works. You've missed the moral mark. You found yourself out in left field and Christ had to die for you being out in left field. Now repent and get back in the pen. You see, there's still judgment for moral wandering or going astray. Even if you were led, even if you, you know, you're morally culpable to sit there and listen to Joel Osteen. You're responsible. You may have listened to him your whole life, but you're responsible for that. God says you're morally culpable for listening to that garbage. Okay, so you have to think about what you're listening to. All right, here's, and I use this one because we've been in Jude. We spent many a week there. But anyway, Jude says much the same way, but I just want you to notice how this word is, is translated. Woe to them, for they have gone the hodo, right, the way of Cain, and for pay they have, notice this, rest headlong, but here's the word planao into the error of Balaam, which is an interesting way to translate this because it's moral wondering, but they translate it into error. But I think the most significant thing is here. They went running out into left field. It is not as though they just kind of meandered out there grazing. They went running in the wrong direction. Okay? And people followed. It's used two times. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear. They care for themselves. They're clouds without water. They're carried along by winds. They're autumn trees without fruit. They're doubly dead. They're uprooted. They're wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam. And here's your word again, planao. They're wandering stars for whom, notice judgment. I mean, you can't get away from that. For whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Planao is not a good word. Okay? They've wandered out, and God's got judgment in store for them. All right. Now, this to me is a significant word because it's translated in so many different ways. So you take moral wondering, right? And you tell me the word that is used in this text or translated in this text from Planao. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, the covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, where's that word? Yep. Moral wondering is translated as deceived. Now, are you morally responsible for not being deceived? You are responsible if you are deceived. You are responsible. So all these people that are folding up on sexual immorality, especially homosexuality in our day, saying, yeah, you can be a practicing homosexual and be a Christian. The Bible says, oh, don't, don't be deceived. You're morally culpable before God in the judgment to not be deceived about these things. You see, well, okay, let's start here. You see how important it is to understand the Word of God? 
dude, if I'm going to be held accountable for understanding the Word of God, I need to apply myself to understand the Word of God. This is why we're so diligent around here in our studies, okay? But you also need to understand there's no fornicators. There's, you know, people that are living in sexual immorality. Guys, check up. There will be no active adulterers in heaven. Now, there will be people who have committed adultery who have repented. Yes? Yes, there will be. But those who are active in that way, unrepentant. And see, the church has got to be so careful how we handle these things, right? And this is why we exercise church discipline in regard to 1 Corinthians, where is it? Chapter 5. Because our fear is you're a professing Christian you commit adultery and we immediately call you into repentance because we know what 1 Corinthians 6 says. It says, do not wander off from the truth or do not be deceived. You can't be active in this lifestyle and have the Spirit of God living in you. You said, well, David did it and he repented heavily. Okay? So this idea as well that time heals. No, it does not. If you say, well, it happened 20 years ago, God doesn't consider things like that. Okay, well, 20 years ago, I mean, what's the big deal? No, did you repent? That's the issue. And that goes for sexual activity before marriage. Did you repent? Idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, which is men acting like women. That's what that word is, the effeminate. Homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, rilers, nor swindlers. Okay, so we've got one of our girls speaking about the effeminate. Um, one of the girls at the pharmacy just signed up to go to, to UAH from the store. And so the student body president is, well, homosexual, but he walks around on campus dressed like a woman. So if you refuse to accept his lifestyle and to support that on a regular basis at UAH, you cannot serve in student government and you cannot be a part of Greek life. So her plan is just keep her head low and finish through school. But this is the sin that's at work in the world. This is the power that's constantly at work. And I don't know how your kids are gonna go to college. And that's why I'm trying to get all of them to go to where John's going because Man, they're going south in a hurry. But this is the powers that are at work, right? And God's like, don't be deceived. I don't, you know, I don't know how else you can translate that other than literally. That's what it says. Will not, okay, inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. There is no way to sidestep this. All right, let me move on. Planao. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Where's the word? Yep. Oh, see to it. You're morally responsible that no one misleads you. Many false prophets will arise, mislead many. Many false Christs and false prophets will arise. They will show great signs and wonders, so as to, here's your word, Mislead, if possible, even the elect. And yes, we would be misled if it were not for that one wonderful truth right there. But it's on you. Don't be deceived. It's on you. Don't 
take your children to church or your families, men, it's especially on you who do not hold faithfully to the Word of God. It's on you. It's on you what you listen to. It's on you what you buy into. Okay? Planao. Uh, evil men, oh, listen, here it is, active-passive, by the way. This is the word active, this is the word passive. Both of them are morally responsible. Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, actively deceiving people and passively being deceived. Same word, planao. All right. This word... I always have to think about how to say it. Parabasis. So you've got two words here. I love these compound words. Okay, this is aside. And this is, looks like basis. This is the word for foot. So parabasis literally means to step aside. Okay? And it's translated in a number of ways. Romans 2.23, you who boast in the law through your Breaking the law, stepping aside from the law, you dishonor God. For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no stepping aside. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even those who had not sinned in the likeness of the stepping aside of Adam. Which is interesting. Adam is referred to as stepping aside. God drew the line. Moses said, nah, I'll just... Step aside. And that's sin. You know? Ooh, that's sin. God gives us a line to walk in, and we just kind of step out of line. Don't want to walk in line anymore. Morally responsible. Okay? So when we line up those kids for VBS, and you all try to get them to hold the rope and walk in the line, and one of them lets go of the rope and they step outside, you can say, you know what? That reminds me of the sin in my life. How often do I let go of the rope and just step to the side? Right? Provisus. That's a really, I like that word. Uh, most often it's translated transgressions, though. So here it goes. Why was the law then? It was added because of parabasis or stepping aside, having been ordained through the angels by the agency of a mediator. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Notice passively. For this reason, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the stepping aside that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal life. So most of this time, you, you almost always, I don't know of an instance not, it's always in the context of the law. Again, you know where the line is and you just step out of line. Okay? Uh, Here's an example, okay? If you show partiality, how often do we do that? You are committing hamartia and are convicted by the law as a sidestepper, parabasis, transgressor. So here you go. These two words are used. Sin, right, is the same as stepping aside. This will be important when we get to the next part of this. So here's an example. Every time we show partiality, you're stepping aside from the law of God. All right, let me move 
quickly and we got to get to Romans 5 and then we'll finish up. So akuo means to hear, right? And so, Cody, help me. Parakoe? That's right, right? That's the A, yeah. Parakoe is a side hearing. Not listening. God's talking and you just, you, you hear it, but it's going in one ear and out the other. You're just setting that aside, okay? Uh, Romans 5, as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made hamartia, and even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous, is the word right here. For it's through the one man's, Adam's, disobedience, and this will help you make sense of this, he heard what God said, don't eat. But he just let that go in in one ear and out the other. And so we translate that as disobedience. I heard what you said, you know when you do this? Forgive. You're like, I, I hear you, but listen, you don't know what they did. Or love. I hear you, but listen, they're super hard to love. You just don't understand. Okay, well, what you're doing is you're letting it go in one ear and out the other. Your hearing is aside. Okay? God says that's sin. Usually translated disobedience. Here you go. We are ready to punish all disobedience, setting aside the hearing whenever your obedience is complete. For if the word spoken through the angels proved unalterable, every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. And by the way, that's in Hebrews. And setting aside your hearing is punished. Transgression, sin, hamartia. You can't. You can't listen to me, and I cannot listen to myself on Sunday, and we walk out of here and set that aside. That is arrogance to the highest order. I've heard from God, and yet I have chosen not to listen to God. Don't ever do that. And I'm, <laughs> it's worse for me because the words are coming out of my mouth. And there's many a time where I've wept because I'm like, I'm doing the very thing that I told him not to do last Sunday or three Sundays ago or four Sundays ago. That's so arrogant on our part, okay? That's why preachers, Nathan and I was talking about this the other day, should walk into the pulpit trembling as they walk because they're more accountable because they're going to say it. But we all should walk out of here trembling ourselves because we've heard it. There's a Puritan who preached one time, and I've referenced this guy before, and I have to go back and find the story. But he preached such a powerful sermon on sin. When the congregation left, there was a man standing in front of the church that didn't have the strength in his legs to get up on his horse and go home. He was terrified of his sin. And that's exactly how we should be. I'm just going to have to sit here a while and repent because I don't think my legs are strong enough to carry me to the car. Right? But hey, we don't want that when we go to church, right? What do we want? We want preaching that we like, that, you know, it's got a joke or two, makes me feel good, lighthearted. We want music that's fun. We want an entertaining venue to go to. We need the feeling 
And God's like, what in the world are y'all doing? You know? We should all we should all walk either trembling or singing. Trembling if we're under conviction for our sins or singing because we realize that Jesus has saved us from our sins. One of the two. All right, last word, uh, and we're done. Again, you've got the pra, which means aside. And you've got this word pipto, which means to fall. So you can easily see where we're headed with this, to fall aside. But what's interesting, and Cody and I were talking about this today, and I, I don't... Most of the time you find it in this construction and tome or toma, I'm sorry, toma means corpse. So I have no idea how they came about at this compound because para means aside and toma, which is most of the time it's in this construction, means a corpse. Okay. So usually it's translated to fall aside from the position that God has given us, often translated transgression. So here it is in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your paraptoma. You were dead in your falling aside. So because we have fallen aside, we are what? Dead. And falling aside is equal to hamartia, sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature, because of paraptoma and hamartia, we were by nature children of wrath. Didn't do that very good. How's that? Even as everyone else, the rest. And this... We talked about it when we went through Ephesians. is one of the most beautiful turns in the whole Bible. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in paraptoma, and this is why he's using the word dead because this word means courts, even when we were dead in our side falling or us falling aside or courts, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So this idea that the most majority of people have that I can do something to earn the favor of God is like the biggest lie that Satan has ever told. No. Or the Catholic Church. We've given you some seeds of righteousness. Now we want you to produce this righteousness and make yourself worthy of the favor of God. You're dead. Your falling aside has resulted in a corpse. Okay, you're dead. And the only way that you can be saved is by the grace of God. All right, so watch Romans 5, and i got to quit. Look at all these words. This is why you need to study Romans 5, okay? Therefore, just as one man, Adam, Hamartia, he missed the mark, okay? Just as through one man sin entered into the world and death was the result of Adam's missing the mark. And so death spread to all men because all men missed the mark in Adam. I'm adding to the text, okay? For until the law, missing the mark was in the world, but missing the mark was not imputed when there, was, when there is no law. Nevertheless, 
judgment or death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not missed the mark in the likeness of the sidestepping of Adam, parabasis, okay, who is a type of Christ who was to come. But the free gift that we receive through Christ is not like the paraptoma or the falling aside, okay? For if by the paraptoma transgression of the one, the many died, so through stepping aside or rather through falling aside, everyone died. Now much more did the grace of God and the gift by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many who would believe. The gift of grace is not like that which came through the one who hamartia and missed the mark. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one paraptoma transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from the many transgressions, the many falling asides resulting in justification. For if by the transgression, paraptoma of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one falling aside, there resulted condemnation to all men. You need to understand verse 18. What Adam did resulted into condemnation to all men when he fell by the wayside. Even so, through one act of righteousness, Jesus Christ, there resulted justification to all men. For as through one man's parakoe, refusing to hear, refusing to hear, the many were made hamartia, sinners. They were made mark missers. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous in God's eyes. The law came in so that the falling, of the falling aside would increase, but where missing the mark, they're equal, increase, grace abounded all the more. In other words, we are dead in our sins. And so that's why Romans 5 is so important because Paul's like, I'm going to use like every single theological term in regard to sin to help people understand what Adam did to you. He pulled you out of line. He turned your ears off. He made you fall down like a corpse and we will forever miss the mark. Paul says, I'm going to put all that in Romans 5 and help them understand what sin is. So I don't have any more, but I want to remind you of the gospel so y'all don't walk out of here trembling. That's just how amazing the grace of God and the death of Christ is because your ears are turned back on. You get back in line. You're no longer a corpse. You've gone from death to life. And every time you draw back on that bow and arrow, you hit the bullseye in Jesus Christ. That's crazy. Back in line, alive, hitting the bullseye every time I draw back because of what Jesus did for me. That's righteousness. We good? Questions? Make sense?